little pigs. Let me come in. Not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. What's up and welcome to Rotten Potatoes, a podcast where four friends sit down and review movies that you absolutely should have seen already. My name's Tyler and I'm here with my three best friends. My name's Zach. My name's Jake. And I'm Scott. And honorable mention to our fearless leader and uh, business manager. Benjamin Green. Best friend as well. Dan. I like that Dan's our fearless leader. I, he's probably just chilling at home right now. He doesn't even know we're doing this. Yeah, but you know, he's still uh, in our in in the forefront of our minds and hearts as we go into every recording. That's true. Yeah. So we love you. Thank you, you Dan, guys don't for know all it, the work. But like right before we record, we all put our hands in and we say for Dan. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. Dan. One of these days, we'll have to actually record it on the pod. Yeah. You. We should. It. It's something that the tots need to hear. It's an important behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> how are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. I'm good. stoked to talk about this movie. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy we have the other three movies behind us. Yeah. So we're we're moving on through... Uh, Spooktober. Spooktober. I resent uh, you t- saying that about my movie still. I mean, <laughs> we, you know we didn't care for it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I just still <laughs> resent it. Uh, I'm glad I watched it, but I'm glad it's behind me. Me too. And you know what? We only have one oct that's remaining gone yeah only yeah. one oct out yeah, yeah. and uh, by pretty soon all i thought all the octs were already out <laughs> I, I, don't I don't really know where i've, so I've, I've only said octs are out yeah right? i've only said spooktober. no we said the oct is out right? yeah oct, yeah the, the oct, oct is, is out. out yeah and so somehow it turned plural yeah yeah i think that was my fault i think i pluralized it gotcha. but uh hashtag the oct is out uh, and in this last installment of Spooktober, we've got Stanley Kubrick's iconic The Shining, which I'm very excited about. You just said that a little funny. Sorry, maybe I did. <laughs> it was. It, I, I wasn't it, expecting it. It actually wasn't intentional. It was a. It was a voice break. Oh, okay. Like uh, I was gonna roll with it. I was like, that was kind of cool. I no, was it, it, it was. It sounded. It sounded like it was on purpose, but just it, yeah. it, it made me laugh. And I thought Tyler looked at me for it. No, I I looked because it was like, oh man, I think I just had a mini stroke and I need help. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's record this first, and then we'll take you to the hospital. Oh, uh, you know what? That's probably a good idea. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. The doctor's gonna need this data. Look at my smile. Is it crooked? A little. This episode's gonna get fingers. so many downloads. <laughs> After Tyler dies. 
Oh, we're definitely going to like milk this. Yeah. yeah. Just oh, like yeah. once a month, be like remembering Tyler. And then we'll just put a link to the episode. Hashtag Spooktober. Yeah. <laughs> I can't Hashtag wait Spooktober is over. He was the last ox to be out. <laughs> the last ox. I got a lot of great people that can replace him. So oh. we'll talk afterwards. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear that. And I just hope that uh, when I'm, when I'm gone, that, uh, that this podcast is still done for Dan, not for me. Yeah, no, oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. We're going to forget about you. Okay. This would be, um, instead of recasting people, maybe we should do recasts on us. Mm. <laughs> like what famous person we would want to be in or our just shoes? Anyone? Anyone? Just yeah, yeah. Like who friend. would you want to be on this podcast? It's just like we can't really talk about our friends though, because who knows who they are? Yeah, they don't even know who we are. They're, they're, <laughs> they're the ones that are listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm super amped about this movie. I echo uh, what you said, Jake. Uh, the Shining was uh, written and directed by Stanley Kubrick, also written by Diane Johnson. Um, and based on Stephen King, uh, he he wrote the novel The Shining. Uh, Was he a fan of this one? Uh, no, he hated this movie. See, here's my hot take for Steve, if he's listening. Steve Z, just stop letting Steve people. Z King. Yeah. Steve Z King. Just stop letting people make movies out of your books. Then, yeah, if you're gonna complain. Like you're getting the you're getting the payout here. You don't you don't get to say it anymore. Just shut up. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. Like, it, like if if you really hated all these movies, then just say I don't want you to do that anymore. Yeah, like you have that option. It worked. I mean, ish for the uh, Tolkien family. Like yeah. they were just like, yeah, no, you don't get to do it until finally someone was like convinced them. You know, has what he I mean? ever tried to direct his own movie? Mm, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. Because I mean, it's just not like that's not his skill set mm. but you know there was um <clears throat> there was a different remake of the shining that was more faithful to the book that he preferred oh really yeah but it, it everyone else says it's really bad oh okay yeah like it tanked it didn't do well yeah it actually mm. may have been now that i'm looking on imdb it looks like it was kind of what we were talking about a couple episodes ago like one of those tv miniseries there's yeah. like three episodes of it oh, okay um beyond yeah, imdb it has a 6.1 Oh, whereas the other one is rated much higher. Yeah, so this was released May twenty third, nineteen eighty. The other guys gave it an eighty four percent. Real quick, uh, I'm looking right now. It looks like Stephen King wrote the screenplay of the other one, the one that was a six point one. Oh, got it. Yeah. This one got a, a, a eighty what? Eighty four. But Face Off got a ninety two. Yeah. Oof. Uh, it's it's honestly probably it's a the bunch other of, guys. They're idiots. Yeah, that yeah. for sure that. But also, it's I probably mean, a lot also of also our two other Spooktober movies got high higher than that. Yeah, uh, it, well, except for Child's Play. Yeah, I, that, we were excited. <laughs> that. What I'm, what I think, or I would assume it is, is a bunch of Stephen King purists upset at all the changes that Kubrick made. Yeah, but the this is kind of funny. Uh, I the other guys gave it an eighty four percent. IMDb gave it eight point four. Which is, I wow. think, I think the only time that those two have been the same, been the exact out of same these movies, yeah. out of all the ones that we've done, yeah. But uh, ranked sixty third best movie of all time on IMDb's top two fifty. Mm. I, I was thinking that this would have been closer to the top ten. Why? Why is that? I don't know. It's just I feel like you know this is like Kubrick. I always hear of being like you know a master, a master of filmmaking, and this is. I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough to say what I would say is like what I think his most famous movie is or whatever, but I, it's got to be up there. I sure. think uh, there's a lot of older movies on the top 250 and there's a lot of 
Kubrick movies on it. But I think just because IMDb, obviously with the internet, it's a newer app um, or a newer website and now an app. Um, and so there's younger people ranking at the top 10 is a lot of like newer movies like Dark Knight. Um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And That's true. Schindler's List, I think, is on there. Schindler's List is like 90s. Yeah, it's not um, that. But new. yeah, you're right. I forgot about Good and the Bad, the Ugly. And the two Godfathers are on there. But aside from that, it's like all the Lord of the Rings, Fight Club is on it, I think. Some okay. uh, more so newer movies, I would say. Um, the continuing on in uh, facts. Sorry, I, I was just kind of the the com- I I didn't have anything to say for yeah yeah. 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 Uh, this uh got uh forty six point two million in box office on a nineteen million dollar budget. Wow, this made less money than uh, Child's Play. No, it made two million more. Wait, oh wait, what? I don't remember Halloween. Halloween was Halloween. Made, Halloween, money, made yeah. Halloween made more money. Young Frankenstein also made more money. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen million dollar budget though, making it the uh, most expensive Spooktober movie. Yep. Uh, and you know that's just kind of one of like Stephen. Uh, I'm sorry, Stanley Kubrick's things is he spends a lot of money on production because mm. it takes forever. Like he spends way more time in production than like any other mm. director. Um, this did not receive any awards or nominations for uh, Academy Awards. Really? Awards. Mm-hmm. But it won uh, a Saturn Award, which we've learned about just this month. Yeah. It won a Saturn Award for Scatman Crothers playing Dick Halloran. Wait. Scatman Crothers got a an award, but best supporting actor. Okay, but did Jack? Jack did not, and Nicholson. nor was he. Jack Nicholson did not, and he was also not nominated. Wow, I always mess up uh, between Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson, and I oh, almost yeah. always say the wrong one yeah. every time. <laughs> it's like a USB drive. No matter which way you start, it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was nominated for three Saturn Awards that didn't receive the the win on best horror film best director and best music hmm. so yeah uh i nominated this movie because number one it's spooktober and the shining is just super iconic you absolutely should have seen it by now i think it's terrific i'm also reading the book right now uh i haven't gotten to finish it yet uh i was hoping to finish it before we <laughs> recorded this episode of the podcast sometimes it just doesn't happen you know but Zach's read it. Zach's I have read, read it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but that, if you don't want me to spoil it, I won't talk at all about it. No, you can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can. It's okay. I mean, I know the, I know the through line of the book, so it's yeah, like yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it's not all that different. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I've, I've just love it. I've been super excited for us to do it, and I really thought that I would never be able to convince Shooty to sit down and watch this, uh, or to like do this movie on the podcast. And then we did Spooktober, and I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing. So, yeah. Jake and Zach, you had seen the movie before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thoughts. Watching I, it this time. So this is my second time watching it. It had been a couple of years uh, since I'd seen it. And I loved it the first time. I think I liked it even more this time because I just knew where I was going and I had read a little bit about it. So I think I picked up on more of the things. But like this is the first time watching a movie because I'm not like film buff like you guys where I was thinking like, oh, like this is well shot. And like the the sound or like the, the score is really like making me really tense. And like all those things where I was like kind of like the, the shots of uh, 
Danny on the tricycle. And I was like, it's so disorienting and like the tight on him. Thinking a little more critically about it. Yeah. And like, that's the first time that I'd ever experienced anything like this. And I was really excited to watch it again. Yeah. I had a similar experience. Um, my second time watching it as well. This was my third time, but the first time I watched it, I recorded it on my TV when I was really young. Um, and so kind of s- similar. I, I wasn't looking at it through those lens. Um, but then the second time I got back to it and really, really loved it. Um, and so I love it now and I still enjoy watching it. I still, uh, I, I do think it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. I haven't seen, I guess, too many of them. Um, but actually, uh, out of the different iterations of this story, um, I guess just compared to the book, I prefer the movie still. I think what Stanley Cooper did with it was really good, really creative. There's a few changes that he makes that I think are for the better. Um, I guess make for a better movie than the book is a book, I would say. Um, so I really love it. It's interesting. Like I don't think about it like a horror because it doesn't really play like a horror until the last maybe 15 minutes of the movie. But it's still every frame is just unsettling and like I'm always tense. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of those things because Stephen King writes horror. Uh-huh. And so like the story at its core is horror, but in the book it's far more horror and, uh, you know, like, you know, than, than the movie uh-huh. Kubrick really cut out a lot of early, like, uh, supernatural ism. Cause, cause really there's nothing that's, inexplicable uh until the later the very end. yeah and but like i think i like that like you know i, I think that that made it scarier i like it me. too yeah yeah i think um <clears throat> i mean obviously when you're watching a movie the characters are going to be a little less developed than they are in the book uh-huh. but in the book they're much more developed like stephen king obviously takes and that's just what king does he develops his characters really well um, but I liked in this how these characters weren't very developed. It felt very removed. Um, there was no room for empathy with Jack. Oh, yeah. sure. Whereas yeah. when I'm re- when I read the book, I had some empathy for him. I yeah. felt like I understood him. I knew his motivations. I felt his weaknesses. In this, I have zero empathy for him. He feels like a monster almost from the beginning, and yeah. like that is some credit to like Jack Nicholson's great performance. That even in the interview scene. He's just reacting to things oddly and just has some weird mannerisms to yeah. where you're just a little unsettled by him from the beginning. And like, I was going to call that out because like the first time I watched it, I honestly took it for bad acting. But now I can see like I, I it it just was like him. Yeah. Because he just is this monster and he's just like putting on a face. Yeah. And like he's just hiding who he is. And I love that Kubrick did that. Uh-huh. That he didn't have us really connect with these characters very much. All right, Scott, you are our late bloomer. That it was. And uh, we've done this a few times with you when you're the late bloomer, and I really want to do it with this one. Um, what do you guys think Scott thought of The Shining? Probably thought it was boring. Probably didn't like it. I don't think you liked it that much either. I think that you can see why some people think it's really good, but it wasn't what you liked at all. It's not your kind of movie. <clears throat> I thought the I thought Jack Nicholson did an excellent job acting. I thought that was really good. I thought, um, like visually, uh, I thought the lighting was done really well. Like it looked just like creepy the whole time. Um, I thought the dialogue was awful. <laughs> the conversations were, didn't sound like real people at all to me. Uh-huh. Um, and this may have been our fault 
but the the level at which the sound was coming through to me, like all the music was way too loud. Hmm. Interesting. So like the sa- the sound to me was off, like because the their voices weren't that loud, but the sound was way too loud. It pulled me out every time there's music, which is most of the movie. Yeah, I was thinking about the music, not about the movie. Huh. The dialogue that you're talking about, like which ones? Like you're talking about the beginning of the movie, you're just throughout throughout the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, before we uh, before we jump uh, directly into the play by play, we've been doing this thing for the last few weeks where we uh, have like a hot take recommendations. Anybody have anything going on that, that they've uh, experienced that they'd love to to plug? I, I talked about I'm reading The Shining right now. I'm super excited. I'm loving it. I strongly suggest everybody read this book. Um, I was able to get like. In in my first sitting, I was able to get through the first quarter of the book. It was just so engaging. Stephen King writes thick books too, so yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I would just like to. I'm reading the Da Vinci Code, and I'd like to recommend you don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, are you uh, gonna finish it? Yeah, I probably. Why? Uh, my hate it. my girlfriend loves it, and she really wanted me to read it, so I told her I would do it. Uh, and I guess I'm breaking it to her now. Yeah, I was going to say, know, you know, you're going to trash yeah. talk it. Well, I mean, I told her I, for a little bit. So I told safe. her that I wasn't into it, but honestly, it's the worst thing I've ever read. <laughs> Jeez. It, like, I think he's just a bad, I think Dan Brown's just a bad writer. I've never read that book or seen the movie. Just, I mean, I, no I, I haven't seen the movie. Just don't read the book. Okay. Well, all right. Um, I have a, a wreck. Um, it's a movie that came out, I want to say maybe two, three years ago. And so it, it's the kind of movie where if we were a few years removed from it, I would absolutely like recommend it for this podcast. Um, but it's a little too recent and it honestly was a little, um, like I think it underperformed a bit. So I don't know if it would ever reach that movie you absolutely should have seen. Um, but a movie called the Florida project. <clears throat> I don't even think I've heard Excuse of that. me. Yeah, it came out a few years ago, um, directed by a guy named Sean Baker, I believe. It, it's basically just about these kids that live in Florida um, who they live in this like really crappy rundown motel, but like that's their home. And uh, it, it kind of shows the way that their parents, um, specifically this one daughter and her mom, their lifestyle and kind of the like self-sabotaging um, choices that she makes that's kind of led to them living in this motel. But Willem Dafoe is the landlord. I love Will, and he is so good. I think it's my favorite performance he's I've seen him do. He's just such a great, wholesome character that is kind of like this. He just looks out for all his tenants in a really like wholesome and like heartwarming way. Um, It's a very like heartwarming, but then the next scene is like heartbreaking and kind of hard to watch. Um, And you're seeing it all through the lens of this little girl, which just kind of makes it all a little sadder too. Um, But I thought it was such a good movie. By the end of it, like I, I started it and I wasn't really into it and then by the end of it i was just like oh my gosh that really wrecked me so give it a watch i think it might be on netflix right now maybe not but it's worth renting if not that really wrecked me isn't super selling me on it but you probably would not like it because you didn't like short-term 12 i liked short-term 12 but i just it made me too sad well it's similar to short-term 12 in like how it's going to make you feel i'll probably watch it once and then be sad yeah you know it's worth watching for willem dafoe if anything okay he's really good at it well, let's jump into uh, into the play-by-play of The Shining because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in this podcast, in this episode. Um, so we start off uh, with 
we're introduced to to this character Jack Torrance. Well, I think even before that, and I think this is just like is that that long helicopter shot of the uh, the car, uh, the like the the bug driving up that road, and it's like the music's coming in, and I'm already on the edge. I'm already on edge. Oh, I'm already yeah. tense, and like it's just set the mood without even doing much at all. Like you haven't, we haven't told this me anything, but I just know that I'm not in for a good time for, with these people. Yeah. That opening song might be one of my favorite horror songs ever. It's so good. It's, yeah. it's just really iconic. It's really, um, off putting intense. And I think uh, every, I think every single song or like uh, the music is always off putting and just like really keeping you on edge even when, it's a bummer, Scott, that you had issues with like the sound mixing because um, I've never had issues with it whenever I've watched this movie. And I could see why like if people thought the story was a little underwhelming or like they just weren't into like the plot. I get that. But I feel like technically, like on a technical standpoint, this movie is kind of perfect. Yeah. And I think like the sound, it's a bummer that you thought that or that that happened because it's honestly something that makes it. Like yeah. it, it brings in the atmosphere and it's one of the things that keeps you so unsettled. Yeah, in definitely. Frame. Totally. But I think that's the case with all horror movies. Like if it doesn't have the music, like it's a completely different movie. I just mm-hmm. think it's, I just think it's to a much better degree here. Maybe I, I couldn't tell cause it was too loud. I mean, I never remember thinking in Chucky, like man, the music right now, what, you know, like I don't, I can't even remember how the music in that was, you know? Yeah. Or even the Halloween, like the, uh, the theme was cool. It's a cool iconic theme, but it didn't elevate the movie for me at all. Yeah. Whereas this for sure elevates the movie. Uh, I completely agree. I think I, I, I maybe I told Scott as soon as we were done, he mentioned, uh, the, the sound mixing issue and maybe even like earlier, like during the movie, I like was about like, halfway happening? through. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I might've just had the TV turned up too loud because I, you know, was super into it. And sure. you know what kind of happens when you like turn up a movie too loud is yeah. that you, uh, your ears actually kind of like have problems with, I think distinguishing sounds. Honestly, I, I did this cause I was watching it and I was on my Xbox and I could hook up my headphones to it. I think that's the way to watch it. Like headphones with just, headphones, like, keep it in like right there. Uh, so after this incredible helicopter shot, which by the way, I think was very like revolutionary for them. This, this long helicopter shot. Yeah. Like thinking about it after and like I watched in preparation for this cause I thought it would be funny. I watched room 237. Oh yeah. And it was, it was too bizarre for me to pull anything into this, but they were talking about that helicopter shot and I didn't even think about it. I was like, that must've been hard especially in the seventies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not, not easy for sure. And for it, and to have, you know, this, uh, uh, it's a long take. It's a long shot. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like they were taking clips here and there. Um, it's a long track. Is shot. it uninterrupted? Uh, I think so. I don't, I don't remember. Pretty close. Gotcha. I think it is uninterrupted. If yeah, there is a wow. cut, it's very, uh, yeah. Brief. And I think one of the other things I thought when I was watching that was it really impressed upon like just, how isolated they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, we, we get introduced to this character, Jack Torrance, who had been driving. We've been following his car up to the overlook hotel and, uh, uh, we get introduced to, to Jack and he, uh, is trying to get a job at the hotel, uh, as a caretaker, uh, off season caretaker. Yeah. So he's going to be alone with his family here snowed in. 
Yeah. From I, what is it? What, when do they start? Like it's like five months. It's, it's like, like it's November to May. October. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. November to May. And nobody's gonna or really through May. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's really gonna be able to get to them until the snow melts. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 road that goes up to the hotel gets completely like snowed up and and they just can't clear it. And so it's like once you're up here, you're up here. Uh, but he is in the movie. He's uh, you know working on he's like a struggling writer and he's working on writing and so for him he's excited about this because it's going to be an opportunity for him to just focus on his work and like the conversation they have feels very awkward and forced and mm. i and that was one of those things where i was watching again and i was like okay i just feel like this is him like just putting on his face and like not showing anybody who he is and you can even kind of see that again when they're just driving mm. with his family and he's just not having any of it you know yeah, yeah, but uh, and and he tells the and he tells Jack the the manager tells Jack the story of uh, Grady, a former caretaker, who had murdered his wife and two daughters and then killed himself, and he asks, you know, are you okay with that? And is your wife more importantly, is your wife going to be okay with that? And and uh, Jack says that, oh, I think she'll find it fascinating. You know, uh, she's uh, into. Uh, confirmed ghost stories and murders and they were really blase about the thing too he's like well they got killed like do you think you're gonna be fine and he's like yeah and he's just like okay <laughs> yeah yeah just no big deal like okay great yeah. uh <laughs> but uh but it's it's in that conversation it's revealed that grady killed his family because of like the the cause was cabin fever uh which is like a like i don't know if you guys have ever had it, but I kind of felt a little bit of cabin fever during COVID. Like were your yeah. roommates in danger? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, they were. Thankfully they made it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, but only by the hair on their chinny chin chin. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry. That was a reference to what we, yeah. Were, the, the, yeah. Uh, and so Jack gets the Jack is, it looks like he's going to get the job and we sort of fade away to, uh, Wendy and Danny, his wife and son, who are back in their home in Boulder, I think, Boulder, Colorado, or Denver, maybe, somewhere, somewhere. else. And uh, she asks the son, hey, are you going to want to, are you going to have fun? Like, are you looking forward to, to the hotel? And he says, you know, well, there's no one left to play with here. And, and then it's like, well, what does Tony think? And we get introduced to this, I, I don't know if you'd even call it a character, He's the little man that lives in his mouth. But he's a, a little boy that lives in Danny's mouth, according to Danny. But it's his imaginary friend. Maybe. Quote, unquote, imaginary. Quote, friend. unquote. That's what, that's what they yeah. call him, is, yeah. is Danny's imaginary friend. That's what the, his parents think Tony is. Right, right. And we're also, I think, introduced to the, the biggest false I have with this movie, and it's Shelley Duvall. <laughs> she's pretty rough in a lot of points she is rough although jack nicholson said that like he thought she did incredible really yeah so i don't know like i don't know what jack nicholson saw in, like as he's acting against her that that i didn't see but i agree with you i i didn't like shelly duvall i feel like actor. you guys have more of a problem with her than i do well there was one point in particular is at the very end where honestly what she did 
was doing just took me out of the movie completely. It was, she was like running away and like flailing her arms around with a knife. And like, she wasn't running. She was just like hopping and it looked ridiculous. And I was like, do anything else. Like yeah. I was shocked that Kubrick let it stay in. Cause it just looks stupid. It, it was really weird casting in the, especially in the book. She's supposed to be this like very beautiful blonde woman. Right. Which I think I mean, like Shelley Duvall is not, I think the good thing about her is like, Oh, like she feels very, innocent and helpless yeah and i think that is like why mm -hmm. it's good yeah why it works yeah yeah and uh so danny uh is then you know kind of brushing his teeth like getting ready for bed and he's talking to tony in the mirror and tony says he doesn't want to go to the overlook hotel and danny says why and he says i don't like i don't know or i i don't want to tell you or uh and finally he uh, has this vision. Danny has this vision of blood coming out of the elevators and yeah. And like, that's, that's the shot that like, besides what we used for our intro, that's yeah. the shot that people think about. Oh and, and yeah. It's, it's gross and unsettling. Like just, it's just big elevator full of blood. Yeah, and also that, the twin girls. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. the twins, yeah. the twins. Yeah. I think I think of the twins before the blood. And there's, there's a moment too, where Tony, uh, I think Danny asks him something like, do you think dad got the job or something like that? And Tony says like he did, he's about to give us a call right now. Yeah. And then the phone rings. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. obviously like there's something supernatural, something supernatural where it's like, how does Tony know, you know, yeah. how At does this Tony point know you're like, is it coincidence or right? Or is exactly. there something more here? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't want to skip over the, the, the elevator blood scene. Uh, I, like I, t I told you that like uh, um, Stanley Kubrick was like notorious for like taking a super long time and like doing like 20, 30, 40 takes of, of every shot kind of a thing. Um, but that elevator scene was only done in three takes. Wow. But it took over a year to get it right. They did three takes wow. in one year? Over the course of a year. That's it, crazy. It took nine days to set up the shot and then once it was done, it was like you, you like it would take another nine days to set it back you up. You couldn't just redo it. You couldn't just redo right, it. Let's, let's roll it again. And yeah. the the first two times, Kubrick just kept saying like it doesn't it doesn't read like blood. It doesn't look like blood. We have huh. to do it again. But it took a year wow. to to get that third that take. Is crazy. Feel bad <laughs> for that crew. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, what'd you do today, honey? I was working on the blood. Still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yup. Like, you know how you have it work? You were doing like, that last Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have these projects that like take a long time, but like one project takes a year. That's a pretty long book, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still on the blood part. Still on the blood part. And it's like, and it really only makes up, like we see it several times, but it's only like a... Less than a minute of the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> So obviously like that's a, a great like like they could have cut it and no one would have been the wiser. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'm legitimately trying to like listen to your guys's like conversations because I was so out of the movie because of the sound like I'm trying to like hear how you guys like uh -huh. interpreted the movie a yeah. little bit. What was the blood like did, was that actually a reference to one of the stories? No, I think it was just or is that just like a vision? No, it was just a vision. There's a there's a theory in that documentary, Room 237. Uh, there's a theory that the movie has a lot to do with um, 
the Native American burial ground that like gets brought up. And so there's a theory that that's representative of, because you remember that it was on a Native American burial ground and they the manager said they had to Native fight Americans. off Native Americans multiple times. And so multiple people uh, believe, not multiple, but some people believe that uh, that's the, the blood of these mm. dead Native Americans calling up from the ground. And that's why it's the elevator shaft. Hmm. Interesting. But other than that, like it's never really explained. Like it. it's just, it's just a vision of something really. Cause like all the other vision visions are kind of like explained and talked about. And I'm like, okay, I understand what those are, but like I part of the, I mean, history, not yeah. necessarily like later in the movie, we see the man in the pig outfit, like doing whatever he was doing with the other guy. <laughs> Why? That is explained in the book. In the book. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's more of a nod to people who read the book. Yeah, yeah. All right, that was it's not the, explained at all in the movie. That was the biggest thing watching. I was like, what? why yeah. did I see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, they they it's basically just this past guy who was I can't remember, but like a, an important part of the hotel's history who just had like an animal fetish. Yeah, um, so he would just like pay people to dress up and you know. Yeah. That's another reason why I don't want to read Stephen King books is there's a lot of stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, a ton. <laughs> yep. A ton. Yeah. Real like creepy, but not in the spooky way. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> uh, so the 11, doesn't have any of that kind of stuff. Nice. It. Oh, Hey, perfect recommendation. I'm excited to read that. Then it's a very wholesome Stephen King book. Wow. Yeah. So the, uh, the Danny uh, passes out when he has this vision and uh, we get introduced to, I'm like spending a little time here because I just think it's super interesting. Um, but we get introduced to something that is common in this movie that everyone is like super polarized about and it's continuity errors. Yeah. So some people think that the continu continuity errors were on purpose because Kubrick was so meticulous and methodical Spent a year getting the bloodshot. Uh, right. Uh, and other people think he was just so focused on, you know, the blood some shot. things that he couldn't <laughs> focus on, on things like continuity. But uh, when we see uh, Danny in the bathroom uh, talking to Tony, the, the shot pushes past his bedroom door and there's a bunch of stickers on it. And one of them that's apart from all the others is one of the seven dwarves. I think it's dopey. Dopey. And then when we see the door after he passes out, Dopey's not there. Huh. And there are lots of these continuity errors. And I mentioned to Scott that there were continuity errors, and he spotted that one immediately. Interesting. The one that I didn't notice the first time, and I think it like subconsciously added into the unsettling effect of the hotel, is that they use that exterior shot of the hotel at the beginning, and then they use a different hotel for the exterior shots for the rest of the movie. And so like, it's just completely different. And like, that's one of those things that I feel like a lot of the hotel doesn't make any sense and it's continuity errors, but I don't know if they were like, to me, it just adds to the effect of suspense and like putting you on edge where it's mm -hmm. like, this doesn't add up. And there's another moment where like in the hotel, they, uh, uh, Jack and, and Wendy are having a conversation. And so we're like, we have reverse shots back and forth of her face and then his face having the conversation and there's a chair in the Colorado lounge behind Jack Nicholson up against a wall. And sometimes it's there and then it's not. And so like, there are a lot of people who believe that that is like Kubrick, like 
planting that to just be unsettling. Like, even if you don't like notice it, part of you is like, something's wrong. Something changed. Something weird just happened. I don't know what. Interesting. Yeah. And there's also like shot where there's like, there's windows and rooms that shouldn't have like, views of the outside and it's not even anything that you would notice unless you really looked at it but it's just it builds up and i think the hotel is like the, even the layout just not making sense it's a big i guess character in the movie yeah absolutely one time they're watching the tv there's no cord there's no cord yeah yeah, yeah the tv's just dis- in the middle of the, in the, the, middle of the room wow. i didn't know any of that yeah and so there's a lot of things where it's like there's and it's, it's just like, a huge debate of whether or not it's like Steven, happens too frequently to be just like oh that must have been like a mistake or and two. for right. somebody that has that reputation yeah. for being so detail-oriented that's really interesting yeah huh. yeah the jake the one that the big one with like the hotel not making sense is uh-huh. the um the window in the manager uh Ullman's office, office. so we walk into uh, the manager's office and in Which the hallway, like right the elevators. in the hallway, you see elevators like right behind where the Weird. office would be. But when you walk into his office, there's a window of yeah. the outside. Weird. Wow. And, and it's like, Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay, I was going to say like, there's also these shots of like Dan, like the first shot of Danny on the, the trike, you know, you kind of get yourself familiar with the hotel and then he's going by and then like there's the Colorado lounge where it's not supposed to be. And like right. the hallways don't add up when he's like, like they don't, they shouldn't match. Did you guys all get this from the documentary or yeah, are you yeah. just this observant? No, I, I like, I got it from the documentary, but then it, when I was watching the documentary, I was like, that is what I was feeling. Right. Like I didn't notice it yeah. until somebody pointed it out to me, but I felt it. I didn't watch the oh. documentary. I know you didn't, but yeah, you just feel awkward and like there's something wrong, Yeah, but I don't know what, and it's these little details that uh, make huh. all the difference. Devil's wow. in the details. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I will speed up quite a bit now uh, because we're <laughs> this is gonna this is shaping up to be a long episode. Yeah. Yeah. We, we haven't even of, gotten to much of the story yet. We got a lot of it. <laughs> virtually zero of the plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> virtually zero. They haven't even moved to the, <laughs> the hotel yet. So uh, this is gonna be a two parter. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a two parter. It's possible. So uh, the uh, the. Uh, family m- moves up to the Overlook Hotel, and we get introduced to uh, the the cook of the of the hotel. Nice guy, very nice guy, Dick Halloran, and he's you know sweet and charming and fun and funny. And he's showing uh, Wendy and Danny around the kitchen, and all of a sudden, without without he's talking to Wendy, and in Danny's head, he hears. Uh, uh, Halloran talked to him. Do you uh, want some ice cream? Do you want some ice cream? Uh, and he knows like that the family calls him doc. And like, so again, like there's something there. And, and so, uh, Halloran explains to Danny that, uh, there are lots of people that have what he and his grandmother always called the shining. And I guess like to just not to put, not put too fine a point on it. It's really just almost like telepathy, but and like maybe like able to like see the see future or the, see past. the past. Yeah. Specifically, typically around like traumatic events. I think the way he describes it, what's his name? Uh, Haller. He, he says like, you know, like there are these terrible things that left their marks and like you can see them because like they're just like so strong of, event, of an event. Right. That they leave a, they leave a trace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, anyway, uh, everybody leaves. 
and it's just uh, the it's just the Torrances now in the hotel, and and we have a few really creepy things. Uh, I would say there was something very minor, but I thought was very funny that I also got from that documentary was that he's waiting for his boss, uh, Jack is, and he's sitting on the chair reading a Playgirl magazine. Yeah, yeah, which is super weird. Like, why would Who that? Is? Just- Jack. Jack is Jack's reading a playgirl waiting for his new boss just like sitting there like Weird. like there was a playgirl like just on the oh like it wasn't his no it was just on the table because then like uh Ullman shows up and he just tosses it back on the stack of magazines gotcha. on the, on the table and then also in that same shot they show their baggage and that's another thing that doesn't make any sense their baggage is the size of their car and that one I noticed when I was watching it's like that's that's the size of a Volkswagen Beetle like there's no way that they it got all that. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, so just lots of little things like that, which I love. Um, but one of the one of the best scenes that I wanted to talk about uh, as well is uh, the trike riding through. That's mm-hmm. such an iconic thing. Uh, it's really interesting. But um, there there are two interesting things about that. One is that you you start to notice, especially here, but all throughout this movie. Uh, they're using a technique called steady cam. Uh, and it's basically like a big harness rig that you wear and that the camera sits on. And so you can move the camera around and it doesn't have to be on tripod or anything like that. And it's smooth. And that had just been invented four years earlier. Not a lot of movies had had it. And most movies, even still today, they have steady cam shots, but virtually this entire movie is shot on steady cam. And uh, the uh, the inventor, Garrett Brown, uh, he got hired to like come and be the operator. And uh, he said that uh, like he was assured that uh, that the shoot would n- not run over six months. They're like, it absolutely won't run over six months uh, because he had to get back to the States to shoot Rocky two and uh, six months into to the shoot. Uh, they hadn't even got half of the movie done. It's like, we're still in the blood scene. Yeah. <laughs> still, I, I need to go. There's a Rocky movie waiting for me. Six more months. And so he would, uh, he would uh, commute from the United States to England for months to shoot Rocky II and to shoot The Shining. Which movie got shot in England? Uh, the Shining. Really? Did it really? Yeah, The Shining was shot almost entirely in England. I didn't know that. The initial exterior of the hotel is actually in Colorado, mm. um, but the rest of the movie took place on a set, on a soundstage gotcha. in England. There's another really good episode of Lore where he talks about the hotel that inspired Stephen King to write this. Yeah. Yeah, even that out. in itself has some like interesting history to it, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Stephen King obviously drew a lot of inspiration from other like real things. Like yeah, from that hotel, I think he stayed in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as he was writing the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just like kind of like a haunted, weird hotel kind yeah. of thing. Uh, and so, uh, but the the trike scene, the camera follows Danny super low to the ground as he moves around the hotel. And uh, Kubrick didn't know, he wasn't planning on how creepy the sound would be of going on and off the rugs. Yeah, that was... Because it's intense. Yeah, you hear yeah, the... Yeah. Krrr, and then it just nothing. stops. And then... Krrr, and then nothing. Yeah. Like, it's it really, It's really cool. It's super cool. Yeah, but yeah. Stanley Kubrick was completely surprised by that. That's like He awesome. was like, dang, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was lucky. Uh, but Danny's exploring more of the hotel while Jack's trying to write and Wendy's just kind of, I don't know, doing her own thing. They leave this 
like three year old or something like that. Because I think in the book he's three, right? I don't remember. Or five. He's maybe. young. Yeah, he's young. I think he's a five. They leave this kid unattended a lot. Yeah. And this is a big, dangerous place. Yeah. <laughs> like the 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 whole reason why they're there is because the weather is so harsh that like it the, that it would break down. They need to like heat different parts on a schedule because right. it's too cold. Right. Yeah. Very dangerous situation. And they just are not watching their child at all. Yeah, I don't think Jack cares at all about his kid. <laughs> no. Like, he really doesn't care. He, re- he really claims to, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. And so uh, Jack is is in the Colorado lounge every day working on his book, except he's not a lot of the time. He's, like, throwing balls against the wall. Yeah. Or, like, as time progresses, he's just staring at them playing in the snow. Yeah. And, like, I feel like like Jack, like he, Jack Nichols... Nicholson. Nicholson. I, I forget even 10 minutes after I said it. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I feel like in this movie, he does a lot, even without saying anything. Uh-huh. Oh like, my gosh. Like, His facial acting is so incredible. Yeah. There's, there's one, it's in that moment where he's just staring at them playing in the snow and all, it's just his face, but just his eyes, the way he arches his eyebrow. It's just so bone chilling. Jack yeah. Nicholson is just a scary guy. Does he ever play a nice dude? That's what I was thinking. Like, Maybe not nice, nice, but you know, even just like likable. I would think maybe in the bucket list. I never saw it, but <laughs> yeah. it's probably he, it was. <laughs> yeah, he was okay. likable. He's also. I think he's likable. He's kind of a dick, but he's likable in few good men. Is that what no, it was? No, <laughs> in something's got to give. I don't think I've seen it. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, but uh, he's sort of devolving, and it's funny the ball scene when he's throwing the ball against the wall. Uh, Nicholson just, uh, like he, he was getting fed up and pissed and all these takes. And so he just started improvising that. Huh? And cause in the script, all it said was Jack isn't working. That was all it said in the script. <laughs> like, and, and it was like, Jack Nicholson was like, I don't know how else I can show that I'm not working. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to start throwing this ball. And it's interesting cause he's so adamant that he is and he's yelling at uh i forgot his wife's name wendy wendy he's yelling at wendy like don't come in here while i'm working if i'm working and you hear the typewriter going or even if you don't like that whole thing yeah and he's just doing nothing he's a jerk yeah he is a jerk but he's he's devolving we see him devolving it like into insanity uh and uh there's a a shot another shot that i really wanted to point out it was super cool it's the hedge maze model. Yeah. He's staring at the hedge maze yeah. model and, and I still don't know how they did that. And that it, was really he sees cool. Them walking yeah, he sees them walking around like in the are. hedge maze model. Yeah. And like that, that was like, it was like, is he really seeing it? Is he crazy? Like what's going on? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, in the movie, Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to this, um, it, we get introduced that like potentially uh, Jack has a little bit of the shining as well. Yeah. He just isn't aware of it. He doesn't know it. And that's what made him so receptive to all the craziness that, that goes on. Um, but he's, he's devolving more and more and more. And, and this moment happens that is so creepy. He has a, a nightmare that he murders Wendy and Danny and Wendy finds him and he's, you know, you know, asleep on the table and he has this nightmare and, and he tells her about it. And Danny later uh, comes into Jack's room 
and Jack's just sitting on the bed and he calls Danny over and Danny's like, you like this place, don't you dad? And you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, you'd never hurt mommy or me, would you? And it was just so like, like this kid knows, like he knows something's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just kind of fast forward a little bit. Uh, he, in that scene where he's talking about the nightmare that he just had, that, that was happening, happening, I'm sorry, simultaneously with, Danny visiting room 237, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, visiting... He finally visits room 237. That's you mean the moon the room? The moon room? Is that a theory, too? That, yeah. Yeah, there's a... So there's a big theory in this documentary. It's... it's. I think it's... It's bananas. crazy. Yeah, it's bananas. But uh, there's a theory that... Because a lot of people believe that the footage of the moon landing was yeah. faked by Stanley Kubrick. Uh-huh. And so people have, like... In like kind of like read into the shining that the shining is Stanley Kubrick's story of him faking the moon landing. Cause Danny wears an Apollo 11 sweatshirt <laughs> and uh two thirty seven is the amount of hundreds of thousands of miles earth is away from the moon. So like what else could you really think? But isn't, I don't remember, but it's room two seventeen in the book. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's changed from the book to the movie. That's kind of interesting. And he said, Stanley Kubrick's reasoning for that, that he explains was that uh, it had something to do with like the, the room number wouldn't make sense in this hotel. I think what uh-huh. he, what he said was, hotel does it was sense. in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Like they were shooting in an actual hotel and he didn't want that hotel to have people not want to stay in that room. Right, 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 right. The, because the, they were like, the, this the is the hotel murder. said oh. you can't, but they didn't, they didn't have a 237. Gotcha. So that's why he used it is what he said. I see. Okay. But interesting. Anyway, I, I think it's a ludicrous theory. Yeah. But it it's a real theory. It's interesting nonetheless. It's super interesting. Yeah. You should watch that documentary. It's I might. I, it was so weird, but I was riveted. Huh. So I probably will. So uh at at one point Danny uh goes into room two three seven and uh Dick Holleran had had told him, "Don't go there. Don't go there." Uh, and uh, so we know that there's something weird and evil about two three seven. But Danny goes in there and he comes out. Well, like, I think right before he goes in there, doesn't he see the girls murdered right outside the twins? Yeah, that was a yeah. little bit ago though. But it was yeah. right outside two thirty seven, right? I don't think. I don't so. think so. I thought. It, no. I thought like he rolled up there and then he was like curious and then he saw the girls. No, I don't think so because no. they weren't murdered in that room. I think that he probably saw them were closer to the room they were murdered. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, up in the flower print wall. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it was a the different flower like, wallpaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and tighter hallways, like really weirdly tight hallways. Yeah. Um, what? I was just laughing at your really tight hallways. Oh okay. Um, so, uh, they, uh, Danny goes in the room and he comes out like completely traumatized. Like well, and his, his shirt is torn and his shirt's torn his up. He's got bruises. And Wendy thinks it was Jack blanks it on him. Jack has previously hurt Danny. Yeah. When Danny was young, he, Jack, he got into Jack's papers and Jack went to pull him away and broke his arm. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, something like, like that. Like, like snapped it like a twig. Yeah, and so he has, and obviously we see he has serious anger management issues in how he interacts with his wife, uh, and so she blames him, and uh, she's very scared. And Jack is like 
irate. He's pissed off because he's being falsely accused. He didn't hurt the kid. And so he goes uh, into the gold room and walks up to the bar, which had been emptied out, and then has this conversation with a bartender who magically appears. This is the most unsettling shot of the whole movie for me, actually. Okay, like, that was Just, I don't know, like having him walk in to an empty room and then he sits down and they just cut to the bartender. The bar is full and I'm like, him oh, he's lost it. Him walking to the bar, even right before yeah. that when he's pissed off and he's kind of like storming and just throwing his arms. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. If I was walking past this guy in the street, I'd cross the street to this yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But lost like, it. That was where... So it, was like, he crazy in this part or was that part of The Shining? It. I don't know. But I like think both. I, I think because he has The Shining, uh-huh. it's affecting him. The hotel is affecting him. Or maybe the hotel is... Much more than it would be because like Wendy, I, I mean, I... She sees while. the blood... And she sees like skeletons and she's the one who sees the, yeah, she sees stuff, but only at the very end, only in the climax. Like she's running around. Jack has, you know, abandoned breaking down the door because Halloran shows up. Yeah. And so she's running around looking for uh, Danny. Danny and she sees a bunch of weird stuff. She sees the blood. She sees skeletons in the lobby and... Yeah, but like you know, I remember we were talking about Donnie Darko, and you're like, that movie's so much fun to discuss and talk about because mm-hmm. you don't know what happened. And I hated that, but I feel like this movie is that for me, where like I could sit and I could talk about it, but I feel like there's just more to go on. Yeah, yeah, it, definitely. It, but it's so much fun to talk about. Is like, is he crazy? Is the hotel yeah driving him crazy? Like, what's going on? Well, in the book, there's times where like people from the hotel are talking to Danny and are even trying to convince him to like go kind of pushes dad further in that direction. Like the hotel wants Jack yeah, and they're using Danny to get to Jack too. And so I think it very much is, I think it's that Jack is, has such a troubled past and he obviously has the shining and that the hotel sees him as this like easy target. Yeah. 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 Because of his, his rage, like he's yeah. just a, a, a hair, a hair's breadth away from snapping already. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Jack has this imaginary conversation with Lloyd, the bartender and, uh, or this shining conversation with Lloyd, the bartender and Wendy comes in, interrupts and the bar's back to normal. It's not stocked anymore. Lloyd's gone. And she says, but Jack doesn't seem unsettled by that at all. Right? No, it seems very blase to him. Very Mm -hmm. casual, very, you know, no big deal. And, uh, I, I guess we failed to mention that uh, Jack is uh, a recovering alcoholic. And so that's yeah. why he's at the bar and, you know, he, he would kill for a drink kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Wendy runs in, finds him there and says, hey, uh, there's a, a crazy woman in the hotel in room 237. Danny, that's what happened to Danny. He got attacked by some crazy woman. So Jack goes to 237 and finds in the bathtub a seductive woman. Who quickly becomes not. Who quickly becomes an old rotting yeah. hag. Yeah. Um, great, it's kind of interesting. Great description. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. The um, the young woman in the bath, her name's uh, Leah Bel- Beldum, and the old woman in the bath, her name is Billy Gibson, uh, appeared in, uh, like n- never appeared in uh, another movie, either of them. Wow. Before or after this. That's interesting. Like, it, it, like this is their only acting credit for, for the pair of them. 
which is kind of weird. But it's super creepy. It's super sexual. And it's very much like the hotel, I think, seducing Jack. And I think that this is the moment that he is the hotels. Like, whatever happens in this moment, like, he he's the hotels now. Um, and so, uh, he, you know, is, is really losing it now. Uh, and Wendy is terrified. And so she gets a baseball bat and goes down to like find him. And she's convincing herself that, uh, they need to get out of there. There's something wrong in the hotel. And if Jack won't go with them, then her and Danny are just going to go by themselves. And so, uh, we had seen Jack before this also disconnect the radio right before this Jack disconnects the radio and goes out and disables the snow cat. The only means of getting out of there. Um, and so like, again, like he obviously has the shining. He knows that like, you know, she's yeah. going to try to escape and he needs to prevent that. I, uh, I was going to bring this up earlier. Just a little bit of like Stephen King fun trivia is um, like King likes to, uh, a set like a lot of his characters in Colorado. Mm, yeah. Um, in one of them, I don't know if you guys have seen Misery. Oh. Um, but that all takes place in the town, the nearest town to Sidewinder. The, oh, yeah, to the Overlook, which I think is where that radio station uh, it calls to. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. It's funny how Stephen, uh, Stephen King like yeah. overlaps things. A bunch like of that. people in the stand end up making their way to Boulder, Colorado as well. Um, yeah, just kind of interesting. So uh, she she goes to try and find him and she stumbles across what he's been typing. I mean, it's a stack of pages. And all it says on every page is all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But in so many different ways, like like different layouts. But I just feel like one, two, three, four pages max. She's looking through a hundred pages, like run. Like, oh, he's, yeah. he's insane. Get out of there. Oh, a hundred percent. And she knows it now. Uh uh, Kubrick's assistant spent months typing all those pages. Is Kubrick's assistant insane now? I would imagine she is. Like, <laughs> I that would drive me crazy to spend months just on a typewriter in different ways typing all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. I just like, feel like they could have figured out how to photocopy something. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need all that. That's what, another thing. They didn't need all those pages. I guess that's just Kubrick. I would. That's Kubrick. Yeah. Would not want to work for him. Yeah. You like it, you need five, 10 pages and then the rest can just be blank. But like, nope, he wanted all of those typed out. All work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. And that like, that's, I think one of the only real like jump scares, jump scares for me at least happen where he's just behind her. And he's like, what do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it probably is the only time I really jump. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, She's obviously like scared of him now, like realizes he's a problem and he's chasing her sort of up the stairs slowly and he's screaming at her about his responsibilities and, you know, and everything. And, and she's crying and she's saying, I need to think and stop it. And, and, you know, don't hurt me. And he says, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to beat your brains in like, and just, and she's just very limply swinging the bat at him. Oh yeah. Very. Yeah. Like yeah. th this is one of the points where like Shelley Duvall is like, all right, we need her. I need you to do something. You, know, like, you need to yeah. do better in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause Jack Nicholson in that scene is literally terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the only reason why it's not more detracting from the experience is because you can't look anywhere but him. Right. 
also at this time, uh, um, uh, Danny has uh, kind of in his stupor telepathically reached out to Holleran, who's yeah. in Miami. And Holleran realizes there's something wrong. And so he's making calls to try and like get the family you know, raised to see if everybody's okay. And finally he gives up and just decides to, that he needs to fly back to Colorado. The funniest thing in this movie to me was that he got dressed up in a like three piece suit. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. He, he was in a rush to get out there and save him, but he couldn't not do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so he's traveling up and there's a super funny, interesting moment that again, we, I, I learned about in the, uh, um, in the documentary, uh, Cause, and I wondered why this was a thing. Like, cause when he's driving through the snow, he drives past a wreck of like a semi truck wrecked with a red bug. Hmm. Jack's car in the book is a red bug in the movie. It's a yellow bug. Hmm. And a lot of people believe that was Kubrick's way of like giving the middle finger <laughs> to King to King <laughs> to just be like, I, this is your story. Like I killed it. This is my story now. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. I really like that too. Like learning that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, he's on his way up and, uh, Jack is now finally come to the point where, uh, like he's, 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 he's broken. He's done. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Danny's been saying all this time, this weird phrase, red rum. And, and then he uh, writes it in lipstick on the door. He like sort of like breaks from his stupor, writes it on the door as Jack's coming up to to kill them. I'm I'm skipping over some stuff, but we're sure, yeah. we're out of time. Yeah. Um just know lots of great stuff in the middling there. But uh he writes red rum on the door and he's screaming it at his mother. Through the voice of his imaginary friend. Through Tony's voice. Red rum, red rum. And uh didn't one of you guys say that that I didn't I didn't like that. You didn't like that part? It was too much. I like his voice was just a little bit weird. I talked a little bit about the kid from Chucky, how much I couldn't stand him. I really liked the actor who played Danny. I think I liked him most of the time. Danny and Boyd. even that bit, yeah, that bit I I liked. It felt really unsettling to I me. I think really the only actor or the only performance I didn't like was Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. So Danny, I think it's Danny Lloyd is the kid's name. Uh, this was an early movie for him. Like he hadn't really done a whole lot. Uh -huh. um, he didn't realize that this was a horror movie until he was 17. <laughs> really? He was told it was a drama and the scene where uh, like Shelley Duvall picks him up and is running with him crying. They used a, a rag doll. Good for Kubrick to like not traumatize this kid. He was fiercely yeah. protective of this kid on set to like not let him know. And then when it was over, they showed him a, a fake movie. Wow. <laughs> really? Like they made a different cut of the movie just to show the kid. That's so funny. And then when I'd he, love to see that cut. Me, me too. too. <laughs> and then when he was 17, he finally saw the the real oh movie. My God. He's I'm like, like <laughs> I don't remember any of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he just thought it was a drama. Wow. Yeah. I wonder how they got him to like you're going to have to look really scared like what it, it through his mind or yeah. like, or like that scene line. where he's shining and he looks all gross he's yeah. like foaming, foaming at the mouth. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like I don't know what they told him in that but it's impressive that Kubrick got the result out of him without ever telling him what was really yeah. happening. And impressive for that kid. He saw yeah. it. Oh, yeah. 
Well, and it's super funny, like just Kubrick's directing style and all this and like the kid and, but like Jack Nicholson, um, stopped reading the script because there were constantly, it was constant revisions the entire time. It was just like scripts changing, changing, changing. And finally he was like, I'm not reading it anymore. Jack Nicholson sounds like he didn't have a great time doing he this He did movie. not have, he had a miserable time doing this movie. He, uh, he would just get a couple of pages the day he was going to shoot. That's why he did so good as he was actually angry. He was super pissed off. Oh, yeah. well no. Okay. That's real. So the scene that we're about to walk up to, uh, like, Jack breaks in the front door and she gets, oh, well, she, she realizes that red rum season in the mirror, it's murder backwards. backwards yeah. And so she gets Danny in the bathroom and is getting him out and Jack breaks down the door, which we listened to at the beginning of this. I love how the, the way it's shot, how it like, it follows the ax. Oh yeah. The way that he, when he pulls the ax back, the camera follows the yeah. ax and then comes up to the door. Yeah. Like it comes back. It's really back cool. So that sequence was shot. It was like the, when it was finally done, it was like the 35th take. <laughs> of course. Wow. It and Stanley Kubrick only let, jack nicholson for two weeks before that eat cheese sandwiches that was the only thing he was allowed to eat and he hated cheese what? like he hated cheese sandwiches just to piss him off enough to get to that scene wow like he was committed to like that jack is... nicholson having a miserable time i want a movie of them making this movie i yeah. know a hundred per- <laughs> like i wish so desperately that like cell phone cameras existed yeah. back then that like normally I think actors get paid too much, but I don't think Jack Nicholson got paid. Enough. Yeah. Whatever he got paid, not enough. Was it like grilled cheese at least? Or was it like, no, I think they were cold. cold cheese. cheese. And he didn't even get nominated for a Saturn award. For this. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, it is it like, it's just absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, and, and yeah, just, it's so funny that he treated Jack Nicholson so terribly and yet treated Danny Lloyd so well, <laughs> yeah. like, oh man. Well, uh, he breaks through the door, which we heard. Um, and then, uh, uh, Halloran shows back, shows up at the hotel. He finally gets there, like right in the nick of time. Also just realized that both Jack and Danny are playing like it's Jack and Danny. Name. Yeah. Yeah. The, both of them is their real name. Oh, I was just going to say, getting back to it, Halloran uh, very foolishly just walks in and starts calling out, and he gets axed. Like, Yeah, he takes an axe he right died, to the like, chest. So quickly for me. Like, I thought his, like, him coming back to the hotel did literally nothing. It did nothing. Yeah. I mean, the only thing it did really was save uh, Wendy because right. he ran away. It's true. And yeah. then Wendy was able to get out. And then Wendy's running through the hotel, and this is, this is the moment... I don't know if I talked about it before or at, uh, before we recorded or while we were recording when Shelly Duvall is running through the hotel and just like kind of lamely flailing her arms around uh-huh. mm-hmm. limp wrist holding the knife and like just jogging. I'm like, oh, all right. This is this is the only reason why I, I wouldn't put this as like the top, top, one of the top, top movies. Sure. Even. It's not perfect. Sure. So apparently though, uh, um, Shelly Duvall, uh, like, fainted multiple times on set from nervous exhaustion. Wow. Like, because it was just so tough and demanding, like, like Kubrick's yelling at her and Jack, the character is yelling at her. Like it was just a lot of screaming at her and she just fainted several times. You know that that Gordon Ramsay meme where it says like Gordon with 
one person and Gordon with another and it shows him like Oh, like Gordon with kids and then And then it shows him like, oh, you precious thing. Yeah. I feel like that was Kubrick with Danny Lloyd and then Kubrick with the rest of his crew and actors. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so Halloran dies super unceremoniously, but it allows uh, Wendy to, to get away. And when Halloran dies, Danny, who was hiding at the time, screams and it alerts him to uh, this is Danny's where location. this movie feels like, like from the time where Jack picks up the eggs, then it feels like horror. Oh, yeah. When he's stumbling through the hotel, like broke broken leg, probably, or at least sprained. Uh, with the axe screaming at them, Danny boy. Um, that's, I guess we kind of glossed over and it's kind of important because it's the only supernatural thing that really happens is when he's locked in the, the dry goods cupboard. Yeah. He just gets let out. Grady, the, the dead guy who killed his, the former caretaker who killed his wife, daughters and himself lets him out of a locked, locked pantry. Um, but uh, they, uh, Danny runs outside into the hedge maze, uh, which, by the way, I, I learned this in the documentary, I think, or maybe in like another, no, it was in another making of featurette. Um, the hedge maze was only eight feet tall. Really? Hmm. I don't, and it was just camera angles that make it look as big as it was. I mean, I guess if you could make, you know, Gandalf look four feet taller than the hobbits. Right. Exactly. It was just camp, but the, the hedge maze was only eight feet tall. That's crazy. It was completely fake. It was just, you know, plywood with, you know, foliage attached to it. And when they're running, uh, through the snow, uh, that was, uh, I think they, I think I read that it was like, it was like nine tons of salt and styrofoam to make the snow. Wow. Uh, and it also was like in the set that was all in set. That wasn't really outside. It was in a closed set. Okay. And it was like 120 degrees in the room that they're running around in. And the styrofoam was like, I guess maybe even like melting a little bit or however they had to do it, but it was noxious. Like it, you just smelled fumes. How did they make him look not sweaty? Uh, act, you know, acting and uh, um, uh, makeup. Yep. Just really good movie magic. Uh, but Danny is leading his father around the, the frozen hedge maze and then retraces his steps. Like, so Jack's following his footprints. He walks, he doubles back on himself in his own steps uh, and then runs out of the maze, leaving his father to die in the maze. And then uh, Jack and Wendy get out on... Danny and Wendy. Danny and Wendy, thank you. (laughs) Jack dies in the maze. Debatable. Um, Is there a theory he doesn't? Uh, They get out on the snowcat that, uh, what's his name? That Halloran showed up on. Yeah. And I feel like we... I, as much as we went very slow in the beginning, we missed some parts that I did like. So you just go watch the movie. Well, what's let's do favorite line in part. What was your? Well, I was going to say like the part that we missed that I was thinking about was when he walks into the gold ballroom and there's a party going on and he talks to Grady and that conversation they have in the bathroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that part. And like we just kind of skipped over it, which yeah. is you know we had to, but yeah, that was like one of the better parts, one of the more engaging parts for me. Oh yeah. It's, it's great because he's, he's been, uh, having visions of the bartender the whole time. And then finally it like the camera pans around and the whole, it's a party in the 1920s. Like 
And then there's kind of like, oh, Grady's like, he's like, weren't you the guy that killed your family? He's like, no, you've always been the caretaker. And like that whole thing. He's like, I don't think I did that. All that kind of stuff. Oh, that was a good conversation. Uh, I think one of my favorite scenes, and this is such an innocuous scene, but I've just always really connected with it and loved it, is when the ball rolls up. Danny's playing with his toys. Oh, yeah. And the and the tennis ball that Jack had been throwing around just rolls into frame, and then the camera reverses, and there's nothing, nobody there. Um, it took 50 takes. Get that shot? To get that shot. Wow. And it's like just the level of like meticulousness and detail in it, I think really makes makes the movie. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry, we can't not talk about the very, very end when they zoom in on the portrait. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a that that picture of the July fourth ball, nineteen twenty one, and dead center is Jack. Yeah. In nineteen twenty nine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like how? What does it mean? I don't know. Is, I don't a, know. is there a theory? I'm assuming there's one. Uh, no, I don't know. Not, none that I've heard. Just I think everyone has like their own interpretation of yeah. what it means that it's like. But I, I think it means that like the hotel really has like the hotel really does live and breathe. Yeah. Or maybe he's just a part of this cyclical violence that the hotel demands for yeah. some reason. Right. My I think my favorite part is um I, I wish I had a, I guess maybe a less cliche answer, but it really is just my favorite when Danny's on the trike riding around because that scene is so unsettling. Um, and it's cool. With the sound, yeah, the sound that he's making that I guess Kubrick kind of stumbled upon. But then, of course, when he runs into the, the twins. Oh, um, yeah. I think because like before I had ever seen The Shining, I knew about that scene. So I was just like watching the movie for the for the first time, just like waiting for that scene to happen. And then it happened. I was like, Oh my gosh, there it is. You know, like there's the twins. Um, yeah, I just really like that scene. And I like, uh, if you've seen Dr. Sleep, which I didn't care for as a sequel. Um, but they remake that scene in a way. And I think it's done really well and really creatively. It's really cool. I didn't see Dr. Sleep, but Oh, I kind of want to in some ways. I mean, I think the shining is more excellent. But in a lot of ways, um, Dr. Sleep is more fun. This is what I'll say about it. Uh, Dr. Sleep, the movie, is a great adaption of the book. And the book is a great follow-up to Stephen King's book, The Shining. So this isn't really a sequel to the movie, The Shining. Well, it is. That's what frustrates me, is that like he... So Mike Flanagan, the director of the movie, Dr. Sleep, he adapts the book really well, but then he takes aspects of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Like they recreate scenes. So like in the book, The Shining, at the very end of it, um, the hotel blows up and okay. Jack dies in the explosion. But doesn't... I feel like in the trailers, I saw him go to the hotel. In Doctor Sleep, for Doctor Sleep, yeah, yeah, exactly. So in the in the Shining, the book, the hotel blows up, and in the book, Doctor Sleep, they go back to the like they go back to where the Overlook was, the ruins, yeah. But the the hotel's not there. So Mike Flanagan, all he kind of tries to like marry the two, 
And that's what I don't like because I, like I said earlier in this episode, I prefer Kubrick's Shining over King's. Uh-huh. And it's like he tried to make a middle ground, like it's a sequel to, like it's an adaption of the book, but it's also a sequel to the Kubrick one. And it feels way too different from the Kubrick. Like I think the Kubrick one is just too untouchable. It's like just adapt the book. Don't try to add anything from the the Kubrick movie and just adapt this book because it's a great sequel to King's version of it. I don't think it's a great sequel to Kubrick's version. Okay. Sorry, one last thing. Uh, Scott looks so bored. Yeah. You haven't spoken in like 30 minutes. This is a long episode. <laughs> yeah. It, this it, is it, how I felt during the Patriot episode. Yeah. This is kind of how I felt for the first half of The Shining. Sure. I thought the last half hour of The Shining was great. I uh, I want to throw one last uh, nod just because Jake mentioned it uh, very recently that uh, you had seen Empire Strikes Back in movies yeah. in, in theaters recently. Uh-huh. Uh, the snow, uh, I just looked up the fact that I had read again, the snow in the shining was 900 tons of salt and styrofoam, which is a ton. It's a lot. Uh, it's 900 it, of them. They used the, the same snow for Hoth in empire. Oh, wow. They empire and the shining were filmed in the same studio. That's funny. Interesting. Yeah. And oh. so they just, they were like, well, we have all this snow. Let's just use that for. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Isn't that cool? Yeah. All right. Uh, and those movies both came out the same year, by the way. The Shining and Empire came out the same oh. year. Did it really? Yeah. Huh. Didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I am I would not touch recasting with a 10 foot pole, but do you guys have any thoughts? Anyone you could that recast you the girl. I would like to recast Shelley Duvall, but I don't have an idea, you know? Yeah. What I, about Zoe Deschanel? <laughs> <laughs> but then you also rewrite it that she gets killed. I don't know. I'd rather her not be in it. You'd still have to deal with the whole movie of her. Because <laughs> it's not like I dis- I don't dislike Wendy. You know, mm. I just feel like Shelley Duvall didn't do a very good job. I have a recast that I like, and it's because when I was whenever I read books, I have to, like, attach either people I know in real life or actors to the characters. And so when I was reading The Shining... I envisioned Jake Gyllenhaal doing um, Jack. He's great. He's great. And if you've ever seen Nightcrawler, I haven't. He can do crazy, very creepy, crazy, really yeah. well. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm picturing is him doing Nightcrawlerish vibe, Jake Gyllenhaal. And then I or picture Johnny Darko. Yeah, true. I think he, if you, I think Nightcrawler is a better example a little bit because he is like the crazy kind of villain of it. Um, and then I, I just pictured Margot Robbie as Wendy because, again, in the book, she's a beautiful blonde woman. And that's kind of yeah. what I think of when I think of and I mean, a beautiful she's, blonde woman. She's very good. She she's could, a, good, she could she's be a the, really the, great the actress. Sweet, innocent yeah. Wendy. So. Exactly. Um, but I wouldn't remake this movie. No. I think you could if, if like, like HBO decided to make this like a miniseries and really really develop the story the way that it is in the book with all the backstory. There's a ton of backstory in the book and whatnot. It could be good. I don't think you can make this a movie again. I feel like would be a more interesting miniseries than this movie as a series would just be the history of the hotel as a series. That'd be super interesting too. That would be, that would be super because I would hate to read, do Jack. Sure. But it'd be interesting to see like a lot of the stories that build like the story that's part of the, like that King developed or the real history of like the real hotel. I think it's an adaptation, a little bit of both. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, like, that would be really interesting. Like you too. could just call it the Overlook. Yeah, make yeah. an Overlook series. Yeah. yeah. Or That'd if, be cool. if maybe it even focused, uh, I could see like a, a series, like a, a maybe even a shorter series, like a mini series on um, Halloran. Yeah, oh, I'd love that. I love Halloran. Yeah. yeah. He's a great character. I do too. I, and I love him so much more in the book. Yeah. Because in the movie, he's he's great. And Scatman Crothers kills it. But uh, it, in the book, he's so much richer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, let's get down to it. Let's spin up those servers. Uh, and as we wind this longest episode, probably. probably. Down. I don't know. Braveheart was long. Braveheart was there. We've had a few long ones for sure, but this what are, is up. What there. are we at right now? One twenty. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, all right, Zach. What would you give this movie? I'm gonna give it a nine. Really tight hallways. <laughs> Jake, I'm gonna give it a nine point five year long bloodshots. <laughs> I'm gonna give this a nine point one. Uh, child actors the left in the dark until they're 17 about how horrific the movie they're in was <laughs> was a lot <laughs> <laughs> so is the movie uh, <laughs> and scott i'll give it 7.4 <laughs> icicles hanging from jack nicholson's nose at the end of the movie <laughs> this is that like even though he it's rated it better than there will be blood that's that's a worse take than there will be blood <laughs> i don't know no i don't know. The 5.1 is just insulting. Yeah, it is. It's really insulting, but that was rough. It's, ah, I don't know. You guys talked me up. I was going to go lower. I'm glad that we could do that. Wow. All right. Well, just as a reminder, uh, the other guys gave this an 84%. IMDb gave it 8.4, and we are right in line with an 88% on Rotten Potatoes. 88 is not bad. It's. No. I think 88 is, yeah. And I, I think that... It's the other guys and IMDb have it where they have it for this exact same reason. Mm -hmm. You either absolutely love The Shining or you're like, eh, it's good. Thank you, Tyler, for saving Spooktober. I am so pleased to have done it. And the uh, Oct are out though. The Oct is is out. Are they yeah. back in now? No, no, because next October it's still going to be Spooktober. It's we're just going to take it off calendars. We spooked over. The, the Oct is out f like forever. Yeah, because oh, now, so now it's always forever out. out. Yeah, yeah, because now it's now it's November. And it goes who takes the Oct out of November? It goes September, Spooktober, November. Yeah. So out of the uh out of the I guess what is it, uh thirty five movies that we've done so far, this is the our seventh highest rated movie. Uh it rated again at eighty eight percent, the exact same as what we rated short term twelve. Uh, and so I think that we're, I've, I feel good about that. I feel confident about that. I'm happy with it. Uh, I definitely would not put this over, uh, Whiplash, Django, Braveheart, A Few Good Men, or Inglorious Bastards, which were all rated better. I think I might put it above Whiplash and Django. Mm. Oh, I most definitely wouldn't. I'd rather rewatch re those as well. I would maybe rather rewatch them because I think that they're more fun and like, it, yeah. I didn't have fun watching this. I was tense. Oh sure. yeah. yeah. I wasn't but tense either. I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, what, what was, uh, there will be blood again. I want to see how far Scott's rating took it down. There will be blood, uh, was a 85%. So right that's, underneath this. Okay. Yeah. Right underneath this. I think that's it. Movie 10 right now. Gotcha. 11. It's our 11th highest rated. So. You're welcome. It should be higher. Yeah. I didn't like it. 
We know. Yeah. Scott, do you have any any more like oh. really BS hot take? Oh, we should announce our next week's movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. So next week uh, we're going to be reviewing Jake's pick. We're finally out of Spooktober. Spooktober. So yeah. are we doing Thanksgiving movies? No, no. no. Okay. There's like one Thanksgiving movie I can. There are two that I can think. Happy of. Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown. Yeah, the Thanksgiving and planes, trains, and automobiles. And Zach does not want to watch that. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna be uh, going, taking it down Michael Baytown. Uh, bad Boys. Oh boy, Bad Boys. The original or Bad Boys Two? The original or Bad Boys Three? Well, Bad Boys Three is too recent. We can't uh. do Bad Boys Three. But that is hot take. Uh, we should get a hot take button. My favorite Bad Boys. Mm. Number three. Number three is. I I, th- I agree. I think that's my favorite too. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I agree too. I don't know if it's a hot take. I think it's the best. I yeah. think the, I think they get better as they go. To be honest, I would agree with that. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when, when they, they come, come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. Play us out. Play us out.